A middle-aged man accompanied by a paltry group of followers sought refuge from the hounds of their oppressors in a remote mountain fastness. For decades, their people had been persecuted by one of the most powerful empires the world has ever seen, the Seljuk Turks. Today, we discuss the original assassins. You're listening to Casual History. Jacob. And we're back. We're back with another episode of Casual History. That's right. Another one for the books. Another deep dive episode on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. A hot Sunday. Uh-huh. And I'm already excited because I heard what your subject was going to be today. So Yeah. Um, you ever played the uh, Assassin's Creed games? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah? A little bit. Well, there's some true history in there, I guess. Um, really? Yeah, kind of how I wasn't they... expecting that. Well, they're uh, they're glorified. Sure. A bit and kind of um, mystified, but um, what I thought I would bring in. So I, I saw something um, a week back um, about this man named Hassan Sabah, and it 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 was the original founder of um, what we know as the Assassins. Right, like so a guild of assassins. Yeah, Assassins Creed. Um, oh, you're you're kidding. Yeah. So, but it also started with an old man on the mountain, but. Um, I wanted to start by discussing the origins, um, and it starts with the man, Hassan Sabah. So I thought we could kind of get into his life. Right. And the origins um, of basically like becoming an assassin. Him not becoming an assassin, but just the general, um, idea. So of, of course, assassination has been like a thing, mm-hmm. but never like these guys. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Th- this is where it started, um, where people were trained and the whole warfare of assassination was their tactic, like oh, wow. how they defended them, like how they struck. Well, literally, they were trained to do that. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. And they were known as specific. Okay, the Assassin's Creed kind of it, that's kind of how they were known. Okay. Um, but uh, one of the first written accounts of assassins comes from a French priest um, and historian living in Syria named William of. Tiar, Tar. So uh, I want to do a point of note. I'm going to butcher some names in this podcast. Oh, that's I'm just sure. to be expected. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to um, be expected. So that's a trigger warning. That's for both of us, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I did that last week and the week before. Oh, I've done that multiple weeks yeah. where it's just like, I, you try your best, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? You try. So, um, yeah. So one of the first written accounts was comes from a French priest in the early uh, 1180s. Mm. So this is kind of a... F- Way back there. Yeah, um, way back. William wrote, here's in quotes, In the province of Tar is a certain people who have ten castles and surrounding lands. We have often heard that there are sixty thousands of them or more. Both we and the Circeans call them assassins, but I don't but I don't know where the name comes from. Okay? Mm. That was one of the first written accounts, accounts of the assassins. The, of these people existing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, assassination wasn't not around you know like sure. that happened but it was but not an elite group of people right trained and that was their war tactic that. yeah completely different um and it took so until 1298 to learn more about this mysterious order and that's when rusticello 
da pizza. Yes. <laughs> Roasted shell da pizza. Go all in. <laughs> Go all in, Jeffrey. I thought I'd be confident at the first, and then I like broke down in the middle You're of okay. saying his name. You're okay. Publish the travels of Marco Polo, which is an interesting figure. Yes. I want to get into that. Is yes. going to be an episode. One hundred percent. Um. You said that, and I immediately thought that too. It was like that's it a, needs to be. It has to be. It needs to be one. Um, but when he published the travels of Marco Polo. He describes a land of Mulhat, where an old man of the mountain used to live. And this is pretty crazy here. So, um, the man had built the largest and most beautiful garden of the world. Um, in the garden lives boys and maidens, fair maidens, the most oh, handsome yes, in the world. Of course. And the most beautiful maidens. Uh. Um, in the garden were <laughs> admitted only those whom the old man wanted to turn into his assassins. He drugged them with opium. And upon waking up in the garden, he let them believe that they were experiencing a vision of heaven. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is not real. This is real. There's um, no way. The next time they woke, this woke is up. A, this is a movie. <laughs> again. Should, yeah. It, there's movies all over here. Um, the next time they woke up, the old man had brought them back to, in quotes, the real world. Um, longing to return to heaven, these young men were manipulated to become assassins because only death as a martyr for their cause would grant them a return to that garden of delights. Oh, my God. And Marco Polo claims that it was for that reason that the assassins were such effective killers. And the old man was so feared that rulers in Asia would pay him a regular tribute. And the alternative, of course, was death. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So okay. No, 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 no. Yeah, we That's, can unpack that a little bit. Yeah, if we can want we to. please unpack that because you know some seedy shit went down oh, when well, they went uh, to quote unquote heaven. heaven. Yeah, with fair maidens and a garden. Uh huh. <laughs> you can't tell me. Yeah, no, no, dude. It was um again. That was based on that was kind of the second account, I guess, a written account of uh, the mysterious dude, order that of the sounds assassins. Such like a book, like. Like, again, it's Mark, weird for me to he hear some of those things yeah, and, sorry. and think that they're real. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it is hard to think they're real. Yeah, there, there's just some things that, like, the more and more podcasts we do, the more uh, I end up hearing things where I'm like, I can't believe that that's real life. I can't believe that that happened. Yeah. If that is absolutely word for word real and how he started the Assassins, that is insane Well, and also fucking amazing at the same time. I have a, uh, a word of info, though, for this. Yeah. This old man it's, was not the founder. This old man on the mountain was not the founder. He was kind of the chosen one after. Um, oh, so there was someone Hassan, beyond. Hassan Sabah was the original, is the guy. Like, he's the dude. Okay. So um, was he taking orders, this old man taking orders from him? No. So I can get to that. We'll, we'll get down to it kind of okay. bookends here. I kind of like starting that because it kind of bookends um, at the end. Right. But uh, Polo's account of this old man on the mountain, this mysterious figure, yes. um, account concludes by narrating how in 1265, the Lord, Lord of Tatars, tired of the old man's wickedness, laid siege to the old man's fortress and for three years before starving at the man of the mountain and all of his assassins. That's kind of the... So they starved him out? That's how the claim from Marco Polo and how he narrates this right. um, depiction. Which how so someone I'm, got fed up with paying him every year and was like, why are we paying this crazy old bastard in the... <laughs> well, they're paying him because they know... They don't want to die. Yeah, he could send an assassin. A, yeah. That's, that, I mean, yeah. For um, protection. Uh, the dude's old man's real name I want to reveal later in the in the, in okay. the 
um, is it going to be a name I know? No. Okay. Uh, you're not going to know the name, but I just thought because when I get into the story of Hassan Sabah and then lead into this guy, there's a, I'll just, it'll connect. Okay. Um, but so yeah, that was kind of the second written account of the assassins. Um, I'm, maybe there's something I'm missing there, but that was kind of what I found was, and what was told and what I've read was that was the first account. And then the second account was from Marco Polo really right. about the assassins. Yeah. Um, now how much of this account is legend or even slander, um, is not known and right. it could be. So the word assassin itself was considered slander. Um, cause it was taken from hash. There's like a, a word like that was of course like wheat, like hash mm-hmm. and like, with thrown on them they had i mean of course you have a lot of enemies you know yeah you have a lot of enemies <laughs> so they thought it was a, a degrading yeah term. degrading term um but then the europeans kind of become not really understanding the um culture i guess not really understanding the situation uh. and kind of took <laughs> and poets and like marco polo writing the word assassins right white people you, t- you took the word <laughs> and kind of and made it assassins that's kind of the word yeah um, kind of became poetic and was a pronoun for murder um, right. by the Europeans. Yeah, it was interpreted the way they wanted it to be. Um, yeah. Instead of with a negative context that it was intended at the very beginning, right? Which is what was assumed. It's assumed that it could have been, most likely was a derogatory like um, term wow. to try to throw on a slander, really, to slander um, this group of assassins. <laughs> but we call them <laughs> assassins, so I'm going to keep saying it that way either, yeah. too. Um, <laughs> but I want to talk about, so we can get into now Hassan Sabah. And there's a lot of technical pieces here and a lot of his origins of how we gained a following. And we can get into some of that. But um, You start a cult. Obviously, it's a cult, right? Basically. I mean, <laughs> well, okay, I don't want to. Basically, <laughs> yes. So he was born in the year 1050 in okay. Huam, modern-day Iran. Huam was and is still considered one of the most holiest cities in Islam and the leading center for Muslim scholarship in Persia. Mm. His father, Ali Muhammad bin Jafar al-Sabah, hey, I think I got that pretty good. Yeah, that's good. Um, was originally Yemeni and belonged to the Twelver tradition of Islam. So there's different um, traditions of Islam. There's two that were really, there's a splitting point, um, but there's there's a lot of history there. But after Hassan's birth of uh, the Sabah family settled down in Ray, where the young Hassan received his early education in accordance to his father's creed of Islam. Um, there's a lot of details about him growing up through his teens and his education here, but it all really concludes that in the end, he was a smart, really cunning young man who grew a following and kind of traveled around to these mm. different... Um, One of those magnetic people, huh? Yeah, and he, he, he won the favor of Egyptian, um, I can't remember, like, uh, shoot, there's a point of reference. It's blanking. Maybe I'll come back and I can yeah. touch back on it. But um, just there's different um, sects of Islam uh, and so and different traditions. Um, yeah, that's kind of the, the basicness there. And I don't want to go too into detail there because I think I will mess it up way too much um, to be credible. But... This kind of concludes until around the 1070s. So this is 20 years later. He's uh, like in his 20s. Right. Um, which he, here we go, um, who grew a following and power in 1070s, when the Seljuk Turks had stretched as far as Sinaj, um, threatening to uproot his caliphate, the Nizari. Mm-hmm. So at this point, he really grew a following, kind of took over, uh, really became the leader of the Nizari people of Islam. Mm-hmm. 
um, which he became the leader. And the nationally, Hassan's revolt could have been an expression of the Persians' resentment over the alien rule of the Turks. Um, but the strategy he formed was basically pure, in quotes, art of war. Mm. Um, this is where it gets into him using this strategy. So he assessed the weaknesses of his faction, the Nizari, and the weaknesses of the Turks. And they were heavily outnumbered, um, like heavily. They didn't have really a lot of people here. So he was like, what do I do? What, how, well, do, how, do, you, how do you win simple, a war? Simple, we kill the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you defeat any army. Basically. You kill the Batman. Um, mm-hmm. Basically. He assessed the weaknesses um, and he, right, of course, he was outnumbered. And while the Celtic leaders were scattered around the vast territory of Persia, so how could he deal severe blows to the occupiers without staging pitch battles uh, on right. a dispersive territory. His result was to quickly occupy the high ground, establish a series of impregnable mountain strongholds, and to launch targeted killings of political and military top brass around the country. Yeah. This is... To pick it, off the top people, Yeah, scatter their forces, it, because they're outnumbered. Yeah. The easiest way is to pick off the strongest links if you take out those strong people somehow. You think uh, the culture or the, the, the f- would fail, the uh, bravado, I guess, would fail, or sure. the thought of why are we doing this? If like, all your who, leaders went down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was here you can see where the Assassin's Creed was beginning to take shape. <laughs> okay. Uh, from this point, there was a recorded, I think, upwards of 75 assassinations. And it took two years for him, just two years, to create a stronghold of forts and occupy territories with his assassinations of powerful leader, leaders, his main, like that was the That's way the he did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he started to grow with his reputation, of course. The assassins, they were so brave because most times it was a suicide mission because you're going to top leader you have a very small chance of picking locks you know whatever jumping walls to do this certain uh, you're surrounded most likely they're in strong safe holds like as soon as you try to attack that leader other people are going to destroy you (laughs) right um and it was you know that was kind of his root of power um and he how do you stop it if they don't they're not afraid of death Right, and they How fortified. Do you stop it? You if they d- still get, if they still get their man, and yeah. even if you kill him, yeah, like they just killed your top general. Like, yeah, it's uh, pretty intimidating right. to even think about. Because I get the mindset of, uh, like, imagine being on the other end. Imagine you're my lieutenant. Yeah, <laughs> right. You're my lieutenant. You're following my orders. Like we're doing this thing, but you're you have a family. You know, you you have a kid. And we're we're going. We're fighting. And I a believe war. this as strong as you do, but you give me orders. Right. I, I'm the one who's who's really the backbone of this thing. Bam. Right. I'm gone by waking up in the middle of the night. And there's a dagger. Yeah. Inside me, and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> Wait. What am I doing <laughs> well, here? Exactly. What do I want to be doing this? Do First I need of all, to be doing even this? there's no satisfaction in getting the person because you still die. Yeah. So the person I'm that's leading me dies. Yeah. Right. The face of who's leading me into battle yeah you kind of do it just there's a lot of mental oh yeah breaks there that could happen obviously um and so for two years really took him like i just said uh the strategy of high mountain forts strongholds launching swift and deadly attacks he held this power all the way until he was 72 um when he came down sick and named one of his lieutenants as the leader of the missouri um, and they kept this pa- type of power. Like, so b- they basically created their own st- 
like form a state or sure but they were they were separated so it's not like they occupied the land so they really converted the people um um and really if there was like a stronghold in between them or whatever like they had like a coordinated effort between the strongholds mm-hmm. regardless of how far away they were like they were really like there was this was a organized organized thing and yeah. they did it did it did it um so but that was so we're getting into this uh that was kind of the uh, strategy there um but i just wanted to give that overview real quick because he held this power this isn't like a story of this man went out and played no this man like organized a group. organized a group and kept his power like he kept the power until he died like he, he never once so the uh city of talmut or the fortress of talmut mm-hmm. was really his big a crowning moment of like oh so here there's a story here actually um let me see if i can i find it um here we go yeah take your time according to oh shoot hold on i'm interested in hearing this there's a really interesting story so here i can i can go from memory again i put notes down there just because i it would help me sure get the uh uh make j- sure make sure i don't get all the things skew you want. too much around um but essentially, so, uh, shoot, let me scroll down. Here we go. Um, so essentially, so the fortress of Talmud, which I just mentioned, mm-hmm. was a really impregnable force, uh, fortress in the mountains. Um, and this is kind of at the beginning of his grow for power, like his kind of like their kind of spread. And um, I can't remember the leader of this fortress at the time, but basically their subversion was not by assassination. They sent um, priests of their and like converted high-ranking officials that people in this to fortress their creed of to their creed. Mm. And they literally, by the time the leader even realized it, he was outnumbered within his own fortress. The people they converted enough people yes, on and the then, inside that they overthrew and him, and he was like, "These are my people." He didn't people. even overthrow. He start, he knew it. He knew he was about this is this is happening, and he was oh, too late. Yeah, and he left the city, oh. and that was a big like he just left. Yeah, and like rode away, and so that was kind of he the, knew he was gonna die if yeah, he stayed. Yeah, and that was kind of the big crowning like, oh, this is <laughs> bigger. <laughs> this than, is happening. It's bigger than like um, a small little movement. Yeah. Yeah. That, it was really where that started. But to what happen. was, what was the, what was the creed? Like, what was the reason for starting this to begin with? So th- there's a lot of history here, but basically there's two versions of Islam. One that believed, um, the, the, Oh, that's right. That's what you were the lineage me. of Muhammad, right? There's, there's a point in there where it splits mm-hmm. for the leaders. One that was elected, one, one that was chosen. So these, uh, these assassin group believed one sect of it and everybody else didn't. Right. It, well, it, it came from that group. I don't know that I want to, I don't think I should attribute it entirely to just like the two factions, one of the factions of that split from Islam. Um, or like that believed a certain lineage of Islam of Muhammad yes. that kind of turned um, into what they are because I don't quite know that for sure and I don't want to spew something I am sure. unsure about. But yeah, so essentially though it was re- in relation to that. So it was religion based. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and that so, was just the main thing I was curious about. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry I, if I didn't clarify. No, that, you're yeah. good. You're um, good. Yeah. So that was kind of how that started, but that was the crowning moment, and that kind of really became his home really fortress and he he supposedly i guess didn't leave that fortress for 34 34 years until he died 
Yeah. So like he, that was where his operation was where, but that was the start of his power and the end of his power, right. which I thought was pretty um, poetic, I guess. Wow. Um, uh, yeah. So, you don't expect like a leader of assassins to die in his sleep. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Die of old age. I did it doesn't seem like the life of an assassin. It doesn't, right? Um, it did, didn't seem like that would be the way you'd go out, but I, it's such a, mo- a power move. <laughs> like such it a power is a move bit of a power move. When that's how you went out. Right. But his life is really interesting. There's a lot more in there, but I kind of want to just move through it. But I did find the passage where I had uh, talked about, basically, he lived under the radar for several months instructing children. So... And not only did he, he, he was the one that actually went into this fortress and he was disguised as a certain um, type of priest and he lived under the radar for several months instructing the children and eventually converting prominent figures in the castle and eventually the castle's governor realized infiltration but it was too late, slowly been surrounded by a garrison and the population who supported Hassan. Um, and incapable of defending himself, the governor left the castle. Yeah. And Almud's capture was, was the beginning of what would become known as the Nazari Ismali state, and the beginning of the new phase in the relationship with the Turks. Um, and what started as a secret society uh, like mov- movement became an open revolt against the Turks. Oh, wow. Um, so this is kind of what you get into the, from the beginning of the story of how gotcha. he started in, you know, the stronghold and how the assassins started. But this all kind of wraps around. Um, now, Sultan Malik Shah and Vizier Nizim al-Mulk were keen to extinguish this budding heresy. This well, is after, course. Right? And launched several attacks against al-Mut. But the castle held firm even in the face of overwhelming military strength. They were even able to capture territory to the south while this was happening by sending missionaries to convert the population. Um, and they finally saw a break in the constant attacks in 1092 when both the situation, the sultan and his anti-Somali vizier died. And it's possible that Nizir, uh, they, were assassinated. they were the very first victims of Nizari assassins. Really? So yeah. Wait, so they didn't kill anybody before this. This that was just the movement. Now no, the movement moved into. So sorry if I I started kind of from the start of him in the fortress, right? And kind of talk, told you about where how the assassins started. But this was the this was the start start of the capturing Salmut. That was the very fortress first fortress they captured in the oh, mountains. Okay, and that and was then, the first victim of being assassinated. Yes, they, it's speculated to be they were the very first victims of Nazari assassins. Okay. <laughs> um, and the loss of these two plunged the empire into civil war um, between the sons of the, um, emperor, uh, the empire and essentially fragmenting it into a mosaic of squabbling fiefs and warlords. Yeah. Um, and Hassan consolidated his position, so this is in that two years, um, and acquired other strongholds in the mountains. And there was a lot of While war. There was a lot of bickering. Yes. And, um, infighting, which he created. Yeah. But by, by taking out these people, um, there was a lot of war in between a few periods of time. One basically ending in a stalemate of exhaustion um, with with Hassan, and once the opposing forces leader died, Hassan started a new campaign. So this is kind of later in life of peaceful relations, though the latter was often achieved by illicit means. So he always had this reputation, right? So for example, that he would get it done. One way or another. Yeah. Um, so, for example, Hassan received reports. So, this is a fun, not a fun story, okay? Because all of this is death you know, and right <laughs> killing. But received reports that a Seljuk Seljuk ruler named Ahmad Sanjar was planning a, a campaign against him, and allegedly 
The man woke up one day to find a dagger thrust into the bed next to him, accompanied by a note stating that Hassan Sabah would like peace. (laughs) (laughs) Power move. I would like peace, I like this man. (laughs) Sir, I could have killed you. Yeah, and shocked and slightly terrified, he gave the Nazaris no further trouble, (laughs) even promoting a relatively tolerant attitude and granting them $4,000 per year as a pension. The threat of assassination (laughs) clearly worked. As well as the deed itself, um, at least for as long as Hassan was alive, until he fell ill in 1124, having never left the Citadel for 34 years prior. Okay, so uh, fell ill? Yeah. Suspicious now. No, he was 72, I think, at this point, or 70, 72. And it was, like, he actually... That's amazing, though. Yeah. Um, But Planted a dagger next to his bed, and he's like, well, no more trouble for (laughs) me. Oh, you're good I'm done. Because imagine that happening to you. Like, oh, I, would dude, be, yeah. I would be terrified. Yeah. And the reputation is this. As you stated before, um, that these guys uh, were kind of indoctrinated to believe that, like, not to fear death. His assassins, yes. Right. So how do you, like, how terrifying are men that don't fear death? Pretty terrifying. <laughs> Especially when they're coming after you because there's nothing you can do to scare them of their lives. You know what I mean? Especially but you're scared if you can't, for yours. Especially if you can't get to the leader who's supposedly ordering this. So sure, yeah, um, yeah. So take terrifying. all my money and let me live. <laughs> let me live. Let me die in my sleep. It sounds like the old man on the mountain, right? Um, and so, and if yes, I, please. Wh- where did he come from? Was he one of the assassins? Yeah. So I. So this man uh, was. Let me bring this up. Here we go. Um, so. Right, I just talked to you about that until uh, years prior. So, according to his biography, so this is where we talk about Sinna. This is the old man in the mountain. Yes. Okay. Um, according back. to his autobiography, of which only fragments survive, Rashid came to Almut, the center of the assassins, as a youth um, after an argument with his brothers and received the typical assassin training. Okay. And then in 1162, the sex leader, Hassan, you know, Hassan, yes. uh, took him to Syria where he proclaimed. Um, uh, shoot, uh, this name Quayama, um, which Naziri terminology meant the time of the Quam and the removal of Islamic law. Based at the Nizari strongholds Al-Kaf and later Masif, he controlled the northern, northern Syrian districts. Um, yeah, northern uh, Syrian so districts. So gave him some power. Right. Rishan enjoyed considerable independence from the Nizuri center in Almut and some writings attributed him with a semi-divine status usually given to the Nizuri um, Ismaili Imam. Um, his chief enemy, the Sultan Saladin, which is a famous yes, part, you know, figure. Um, so yeah, this is kind of, uh, so this was after when did Hassan die? So this is 40 years after when he kind of really became in pa- this old man in the mountain is his, you know, ending right. term that we know of him as. Mm-hmm. Um, but he became prominent uh, during. Yeah. 11, he gained a lot of power. Yeah, 1162 is when they uh, kind of happened. Um, and despite being far removed from another territory, territory at uh, one another territorially, sorry, um, mm-hmm. the other fortresses, you know, I was talking about that. The various Nazari all took the orders from the central leadership in Almut. Um, and this appointee would later become known as the old man in the mountain mm. in the tales of European explorer Marco Polo. One of the most notorious assassinations of Sinan's rule occurred during the closing, closing stages of the third crusade. So okay. now we're getting into the old man in the mountain's life. 
So his rule. Right. And this is really during the um, this 200-year period. Yeah. Like 1050 to 1300 um, mm-hmm. uh, BC. Or no, AD. Sorry. Um, was really where the assassin's mystery and uh, lore come from. Yeah. And it's from this these really two prominent figures. Gotcha. Um, because what like I just mentioned, one of the most and this is a pretty crazy story, assass notorious assassinations of Sinan's rule occurred during the closing stages of the Third Crusade. And with that, I want to take a break. Of and we'll come back do. and I'll get back do. into one of, it's a pretty really interesting story, but we'll get <laughs> okay. back into that. All right. All right. Wow, right. wasn't that ad so great? That ad was so great. If there Thank was you for supporting there, us. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of supporting, Jacob, Yeah. how can they support us if they're listening? Uh, they could go follow us on all of our uh, accounts, and they can also leave a like and review wow. and subscribe to this podcast. Do you see Tell just, your friends. You see how I just sent you that, <laughs> that basketball for a layup? <laughs> that was good. I just set you up there. It's called good. an alley-oop. It's, a nice little it's an nice. alley-oop, Jake. Is that what it's called? <laughs> That's exactly what it's called. <laughs> But yes, please. Uh, thank you for your support. Please. And please <laughs> <laughs> subscribe. Tell people about this podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank yeah. you guys. If you want to hear more of what you're listening to, keep listening. Uh, but there's always going to be more. There's always going to be more. <laughs> keep listening is the slogan. <laughs> All right. So where do we leave off, Jeff? We you left off. At uh, a cliffhanger. Yeah. The old man of the mountain and kind of how he got his um, figure. And this is his mysticism. And mysticism, his and we're going to talk about really the the big point here is the one of the most notorious assassinations. Okay. Okay. Paint me um, a picture, Jeffrey. Paint it for me. So a rivalry had existed between Philip Augustus and Richard the Lionheart since, ah. since the ventures, um, early stages, which prompted both men to support different candidates for the crown of Jerusalem, much to King Richard's anger. The highly competent Conrad of Montferrat was unanimously elected to the throne of mm-hmm. Jerusalem. However, the pr- prospective monarch would never be crowned. At noon, April 28, 1192, the Frankish crusader was returning from a nice lunch with his friend. Yeah. Yeah, um, just a nice casual lunch. Just casual lunch. She was like, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna become king. It's noon. I'm gonna about to become, you know, the Jerusalem. Don't you want to hang out with me? I'm a cool Pretty guy, cool, right?" Um, until he was like, "Hey, he was approached by two Christian mo- monks. They're monks. Oh wow, oh, wow, this is great. No, he, time to say a prayer for your new king. <laughs> he, he'd become familiar with these two recently, actually. Like they've been around. Oh, I've seen them oh before. Oh my god, are you telling me they've been living? No, they, next no, to him these, this these guys are nice guys. They're yeah, they Christian sound nice. They sound nice. Mm-hmm. So just come up to talk, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Stop getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so, they sound suspicious already. Yeah, just, you know, conversations began. Nice, sure. or easy conversation between the two groups, putting Conrad's guards at ease. These guys are no harm. They're monks. They're monks. They're, reli- they're religious. You know what I mean? Come yeah, they, they're, our life is sacred to these people. Sure. Um, And at that moment, Jake, when the guards were like, oh, he's just... Just talking to two monks. That's a big deal. It's yep. a big deal. They suddenly sprang forward with daggers, stabbing the king elect twice in the chest. Oh shit. Monks, Jake. Oh shit. Monks. Well, that's the perfect disguise. <laughs> yeah. 
And they've we're been there. Monks. They've been there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they've been <laughs> occupying. Yes. Getting familiar. Yes. Everybody, so that way they could get comfortable and get close enough. Well, it's like, how do we, not how do we do this now, but we do this, governments do this now, spies, that's what they were. You infiltrate. They were infiltrating, and then yeah. they struck when they you were told close, to strike. You get close with your mark. Yeah. <laughs> Keep oh. your friends close and your enemies closer. What's the, what's the point, yeah. you know? Although the assassins who were f- dispatched by Rashid Sanan, which is the old man in the mountain, um, both were killed or captured. Oh, they were. They, both the assassins were killed or captured. Right. Okay, so they still imagine me with two done. guys on the left and the right, two monks just talking. The dude dies. You still did a horrible job of protecting this guy. Um, yeah. Just just throwing that out there. Oh, sure. <laughs> but how are you going to know? How are you going to how are you going to figure that out? Well, that's the scary out? part of it, right? Exactly. Like, you don't know. It could be anybody. It could be a dude that you've known for uh, six months that moved into the city. Yep. You know what I mean? Some dude who got close with you. One of your new best friends. Yeah, just a guy you see <laughs> All every of a day sudden, turns on you and stabs you twice in the chest. The dude who sells you bread on the corner of the street. You know, the, yeah. your favorite bread. The, the dude that's <laughs> been living there for a year on the corner who gives you free bread every time you walk yeah, by. Like, the hey, nicest man. Hey, you coming down here to me? Here's a piece of bread. Oh, wait. Dagger. <laughs> that's how you draw on your prey. <laughs> Basically, man. Yeah, um, straight up. That's how you get close. So he died instantly from his wounds. Um, Holy smokes. And the case furthered the mythical European vision of mysterious assassins who do not, who did not fear death. Yeah. Um, which makes sense. Which makes them all the more terrifying because if they can get close to you, live among you, and then choose when you die. Yeah. And then not fear death themselves. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it is a mental thing. Oh, it's a hundred percent mental. Because not a hundred percent. Okay, that's a horrible. No, no, no. Out of context. I know what you meant. <laughs> it's a mental. When you win that mental war of yeah. these guys have no fear. I am. Yeah. I am There's a danger nothing all the time. I can do. There's nothing I can do, right? Or I can't expect him to act and behave like a normal manner, because you know, like that's that's just the way human nature is: is to avoid situations that would lead to put themselves into danger. Yeah. And that's how you assume everybody else lives because you live that way and every you think every rational human thinks this way. Well, if if I can get you, Jacob, to have that in the back of your mind always, that you never know what I'm going to do. Jeffrey, Jeffrey's crazy, man. I don't know what he's going to do. You're living in a constant state of fear. <laughs> oh, sure. Even if there's even if there's none around, yeah. like you don't know is no, your neighbor, you your <laughs> And then you know if I, I mean? if I come knocking, like four months from now just after the four months of you just sitting in that and i go hey you probably want to pay me i think i need need some money i need something from you you're probably gonna go okay <laughs> sure but <laughs> okay with the mindset okay. of like if you know any like it's just, it's just that literal mindset of like i can't expect them to behave like a normal human yeah like i can't expect them to go well they wouldn't try to attack me here i have 15 guards here yeah. no they don't give a fuck no that's the scary <laughs> shit about <laughs> it like that's more terrifying than yeah. anything you could have all the guards you want they can know that it's a it's a suicide mission you know that killing you would be a suicide mission yeah. and they'd still do it yeah like that's terrifying that's the fear it is horrible that's is something it? that you can't unsettle yourself from Mm-mm. yeah now when sanan died in 1190 this is kind of the end of like i said the assassination well not the end of that the end of the golden age of the, assassination the end of the beginning really like the uh the mythical like how they really 
where it sprang from. The seed where all this kind of grew from. Yes. This is the seed that I'm trying okay. to express here. And maybe we could do a later podcast of like uh, maybe the whole lineage of like over time of how it's influenced sure. stuff. Because but, then it's adopted into governments, right? Like, 100%. That's what like, government agents like. You know what I mean? Like how you part, picture. In part, guerrilla warfare is that too. You sure. Go, you go quick and lean. You get in, you get out. You make them terrified, right? Yeah. It's not assassinations, but I mean, that is still used prevalently all over the world. It's actually quite similar when you really break it down. Yeah. Uh, guerrilla warfare and... Uh, you know, not assassinations in particular, but some of their tactics. Yeah, exactly. They're they're very similar of creating a world of uh, unknowns. Yeah, and also like there are no rules. Mm-hmm. There are nothing about it. Like you know what I mean. Like that was what was more terrifying. Do you want to know who stopped this? Who stopped what? This Nazari state. This kind of who? Fear. Oh, someone ended it. A whole big force ended it, Jacob. Think oh, about the time. You have to, Think right? About the time. Well, I'll just tell you the Mongols, the Khan. Oh, <laughs> oh God! Wait, are you telling me? Yeah. Okay, how is this not so, a movie? So <laughs> the Mongols. So you're talking about Genghis Khan? I don't know if it was okay. him. Okay, okay yes. I don't know if it was him. But okay. basically, when they swept, I mean, this was their time. Yeah. So we're now getting into the time where they just, another took podcast. Over, yeah. They took over so much land. <laughs> but, Ma, yeah. so, Oof. the cons became famous for utilization of talented native people from the lands they conquered. Right. And this apparently included a number of Sunni courtiers who despised the Ismaili um, Nizari uh, state, who was the assassins. Um, and they must have known the Nazari's reputation for defiance, uh, in addition to the the penchant for assassination. So they decided to get rid of them instead of adopt them. Right. Well, instead of like, oh, these guys are useful, these guys are so kind of like... On the edge that we can't trust them. We got to get rid of them. And perhaps after, though, perhaps after adding a few more fanciful details, these tales must have greatly concerned the Khan, who viewed them as a risk. I mean... These, first of all, <laughs> the Khan were no dummies when they took over. Like they, de- they were strong, powerful, and demanded complete, uh, yeah, abidance. Yeah, <laughs> obedience. Obedience. Yeah. That was a better word. Um, and after a rather lukewarm introduction, <laughs> the Alamut lewd leader. Wait, you tell me they didn't get along swimmingly? No. no. <laughs> you tell me it didn't no. go well? <laughs> um, after a rather lukewarm introduction, sure. the Alamut leader received a. A uh, dead, dreadful shock in 1246 upon the ascension of a successor um, to the Khan, Guyak. I'm sorry, if it's G U Y U K. If you want to Google that, people. Okay. Um, many Muslims uh, leaders sent gifts to the Khan out of them, out of you know, hey, respect. Here's a leader. We you know <laughs> respect you. Here's sure. a gift. You know, you, they did that. I guess. Oh. <laughs> um, and uh, so uh, sent gifts to the Khan. And out of them, only the Nazari ambassadors were harshly dismissed. So to back up this kind of, wait a minute, you just dismissed our gift. We sent you a gift. We thought, you know, right. hey, yeah, what's wrong on. with it? What's a wrong with our gift? Hostile stance um, was taken. Um, the Khan proclaimed that of every ten reinforcements he would send to Persia, two must be used to re- reduce rebellious lands, prominently the Ismali. So wow. he sent an extra amount of attention on getting rid of them. I'm doing, you can't hear this, but I'm putting my fist into his, my uh, palm <laughs> of my hand. hand. <laughs> the beat Some, down. The beat down, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And uh, so prominently uh, a policy, that policy kind of became uh, prominent. 
um, and the successor, Mong Mongke, who desired complete and total dominance of Western Asia, mimicked this. And despite ferocious resistance, because they put up resistance here. Of course they did. Mongol pressure was simply too great. And on November 19th, 1256, the final Nazari imam surrendered Alamut. And it was initially so- shown mercy. They were like, oh, God, okay. Like, it was a ferocious battle of, like, well, we respect you as over warriors. years, whatever. <laughs> Bow um, to my rule. And after being escorted from his lands, however, he was unceremoniously killed in the Kangai Mountains. Oh. So, basically. Dishonor. Yeah. yeah basically, <laughs> spitting on. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Dude. Just kind of. <laughs> Get rid of them. <laughs> um, now, back in Persia, the walls of Nazari fortresses, so this is after he kind of surrendered and all this kind of happened. The fortresses were turned down, and vast libraries of knowledge of these people were destroyed, and thousands of civilians slaughtered one by one on the mountain. Uh, and wow. one by one, strongholds fell with their fedairs, putting up a desperate fight, and the final castle falling in December 15, 1270. The violent destruction of Hassan Sabah's Almut-based state put an end to the Nizari statehood forever, and against all the odds, the Nizari did survive, though, to the modern day, and are currently led by their 49th Imam, Aga Khan IV, and with an estimated 15 million followers in 25 countries. Wow. But that was kind of the bookend there for that. But right. That was the seed of which the assassins, like, and that's the where that came of from. the assassins came from. Yeah. Okay. Their and, power and... And it's definitely, like... Uh, that's interesting that they're still going today. Yeah. But also that the idea of not necessarily assassins, but what they what they did, mm-hmm. how that has lived on in almost yeah, probably every the, culture, the right? The lore you definitely lives on. No, the lore definitely li- lives on as like a... Re- I don't know if it's proud, pr- prideful or not, but I think it, it, from what I've read, it was kind of like, I mean, that's kind of your history. Yeah, um, and, it's, and it's spread across like... Uh, well, I mean, this, when you, you say assassins, it's such a culture thing, too. It is. Uh, like, Heartbreak Wharf, what's uh, John Mayer's song? Heartbreak Wharf. I'm warfare. an assassin, and I know oh. what I do, do. Anyway, just the word. <laughs> think about that, though. If that word was not termed, John Mayer would not have a song. <laughs> that's the worst that would happen? I'm not saying that's the worst that would happen. I'm just saying with that, that term. Seem like the worst that thing that term, could happen. though, like, it's crazy to me how long lasting and how um of course that lives on well the it's shock creeds effect, mo- the uh the games yeah like, the games the movie it's all based around this lore and of course it's kind of been culturized and popularized as they sure. were kind of shifted to become kind of hero underground like that kind of thing right which really they were it was like kind of dirty warfare sure what dirty warfare just i just mean it was kind of I mean, you're sending All an assassin. Dirty, you know, you're sending yes. you're sending a guy to kill off another guy in secret because you think it's going to stop the whole right. thing, that kind of thing. Especially when, like, uh, I mean, again, I don't know all these other cultures, but knowing that some some cultures had like tactical rules to mm-hmm. warfare, where you had to do specific things to be honorable, and bo- I know that wasn't always the case, but it is interesting to see you know because that warfare is extra dirty because there's not that there's no honor in it but it's, it's just very when you're when you're outnumbered yeah like you you put that's a person against, against the, wall. the wall yeah that's sort of like that's kind of what formed out of that um, right but yeah man i thought this was a crazy story as the seed of it all um and kind of where it began yeah. and it intrigued me i i uh 
I've read a lot of different things. There's a lot of different details in here of just about the politics of the different people and the kind of intermediaries of the different wars of Asansaba and the different kind of battles and stuff. But um, really, I just wanted to get into as much as I could articulate well um, and without, you know, skewing too far away from the sure. actual truth. Um, <laughs> just give you the lowdown on where you see an Assassin's Creed game now. You're going to go, wait a minute. I know where that started. I, I kind of know, know where, where that term idea. was coined. I kind of know where that came from, you know? Right. Um, Which is, it is very interesting. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting little subject for a, a discussion. But yeah, that's kind of my, uh, it's my that's gig awesome. there, man. I like that. I, I literally told my coworkers today that we were doing it on Assassins and they like tripped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully that. it kind of took me in a different way than I thought personally, just yeah. as in, um, it became more of like factual than you're expecting. More factual than, and than I was expecting not as much about the legacy of just sure. the, um, uh, like overarching, like, like to modern day. Um, mm-hmm. but, but once I started di- diving into this, I thought it would be more interesting to talk about because every moment is like born from something, right? And yes. so for this kind of idea and the, even the term assassin not being what you think it is, uh, just a term for like murder, which right. is what how the Europeans coined it. Um, but starting from a shot, uh, like there's like a name for it that I cannot pronounce for the life of me, <laughs> but That's basically okay. as slander. So it's just interesting to me how everything that we think of as steady comes from a place and so i wanted to give the perspective of this the 200 years really of like the start of the man who started it to yeah. kind of the end of how it really started like the end of it was the mongol the mongols right which yeah ended a lot of things yeah. if we're talking blatant, like they ended a lot of things yeah man. they yeah, were dude. crazy i want to get into that so bad i have an audio audio audible book that i've been listening to oh really yeah i'm about like 30 minutes in and it's um, about them specifically about Genghis Khan oh dude and just the level <sighs> of art of war that that dude was is yeah. crazy um yeah man but that, some people like isn't it crazy to think that like people exist he's got a there's a it's a really interesting story um it's a really interesting story so far yeah um, see i don't know that much about Kangas Khan besides well, his exploits you've just, which you hear you've led me to my next podcast please i please, think i will I, that'll be the i'll be a character character dive on Kangas Khan oh gosh yeah that'd be crazy that'd be great yeah. I'm going to do that next week. Because, again, I know of his exploits, and I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that's uh, publicity as well, like, or, you know myth. what I mean, like myth, myth, myth and propaganda and things to help his campaign and his legacy. Yeah. But um, I'm interested to see the real man because he, I don't think he I don't think he was dumb at all. Oh, no. no <laughs> this no, man no, no. had to be one of those, like, to become a figure and lead an army to do that. Yeah. Yeah, like how smart and intelligent you had to be. Yeah. And for them to be considered, like, again, from the outside, from what I've heard, you know what I mean? Not barbarians, but, like, that's how they're described is how warlike they are. Yeah, power, dominance. Yes. That's kind of their hierarchy. And so <laughs> it's just interesting to me. I would, I would love to yeah. know more about that. Uh, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to do that next. the next time then. I'm planning on it. Heck yeah. Like that, that's a clear one for me. All right. Um, so that that's that on assassins there. That's kind of the birth of uh, how we know assassins. That's awesome. Um, and there's a lot of true history with how Egypt. I know there's a new game or there was a game, Assassins Creed Origins. Oh yeah, there's that, a lot more past that too. Uh, is that the latest one? No, I think there's more. There's oh, Odyssey. Okay. I thought there was one about uh, Egypt 
Is there not there the is one, one about Egypt, but it's not the latest. Well, there is some real history there, too, with the leader, Hassan, um, pledging allegiance to there's an Egyptian leader at oh, that point. Oh, within the game? Yeah, there's some real history in that as well. Oh, um, wow. They, they tried to tie it in closely. I think they all kind of... I don't. I, of course, it's not like to a T. Sure. But yeah. kind of connects there for you. I think that's very interesting that they put in the effort to do that. I feel like you have to. I don't, I don't know if you have to. These video games are kind of like they comic like booky and like cartoonish. But they're depthy, you know? They're... Yeah, but the <laughs> fact that they're trying to do that yeah. is nice. Like, yeah. I appreciate the effort that they're going into trying to connect it to real history to weave it as close as possible. Honestly, I feel like most times in games or even in movies, when you go away from it, it feels like I, I feel a less attached or less excitement about it because then it, I feel like I'm really just gaining nothing, which is just a, a mindset of like, I'm like, when you're playing I, a video game. Yeah, I know that's funny. Not, not all, all video games, but you know, when I'm thinking of certain, like, uh, what was the other video game you used to play? Oh, it doesn't matter. But just those video. I don't know. I always feel like I want to have it close to, if it's talking about a subject, I kind of want to have it close to the real thing. Right. So I, I But found it adds that a sense a, of realism, so yeah. therefore the game feels more weighty. You know Definitely. what I mean? It feels like you're doing something when something's so close. And yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I that's it, Jake. That's kind of our Assassin's Podcast. All right. Um, maybe, I, again, I think we should revisit this later and we can kind of give an overarching view. But I feel like we always do that, That's though. the birth, man. That's the start. That's that's what happens is just like that. We go from Assassin's and then we talk about Mongols and then we're like, wait, yeah. thank us God. <laughs> it leads to the next podcast. That's what I'm saying. I feel like we always do this at the end. We're always going, that'll be our next podcast <laughs> <laughs> because well, we always find something cool connected. There's like, definitely an endless amount of uh, ideas. I know. Because history is long, man. Is it long? That's why we're in the history business. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. Um, Yes. Another one in the books. Another five-minute history coming out this coming Wednesday. Another deep dive episode every Sunday with me and Jake. That's right. Your host at Casual History. Be back here next week. Is it funny to think you're a host of a podcast? I guess we're hosting, right? We're 17, 16, 17, and we're pretty... We're in this thing. We're man. doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you never know. You see other people and they're like, oh, I got a podcast. You know, I'm like, cool. But we're 17 in. We can actually probably say that now. Yeah. There was there was a literal tipping point where um, I would not like promote, not pro- claim, or claim, but like, like on claim my you're a podcaster. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the name podcaster. Because I was like, yeah. we're starting. We're having fun. We're kind of doing this for ourselves. Yeah. And then. And then you reach a point where you're like, we've had 15 podcasts, and it's like, I guess I'm a podcaster now. <laughs> yeah, we've done it, man. Uh, it's Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for yeah. following along. Thank um, you guys for following on Twitter. I've been seeing people saying that they really enjoy these. You're kidding. These. No, I've been seeing a you're couple. You're kidding. See, no. Okay, heads up. I don't run the Twitter. Or, uh, Jacob is the one who who's on that Twitter. So yeah. it's always exciting. I thank somebody me. for following, and he was like, dude, keep it up. I'm learning a lot. Loving your podcast. Yo, that's so exciting. That was literally like a couple days ago. That is so exciting. Yeah, I wow. know. So like little, really cool. little interactions like that, like make it worth it. Well, I just love, this is again, kind of therapeutic, kind of just fun. And so thank you guys. If you've made it, I always say this, we're, we're at 51 minutes in. Right. If you've listened all the way to this point, thank you so much. Yeah, you're the fucking man. Yeah, or, or woman. woman. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, you gotta be. <laughs> you know what I meant. Uh, yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Thank That's you guys right. for listening. This has been Say It With Me, Jake. Casual <laughs> History. Oh, wow. You're not going to say it with me? I One kinda, more time, right? Yeah, this has been 
casual, casual history. history. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye.